Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for June 27th is 1 Kings chapters 17 through 19. So much happening in these chapters, and it's exciting. I love reading these stories because they're full of Elijah, this one of the most amazing prophets to have ever walked the earth as far as we know in the biblical record and his showdown with the prophets of Baal him standing up to King Ahab and saying there will be no rain in Israel for three and a half years really he says until I say do you know of a single Christian is there anybody in your church or anybody you know personally who could go up to the president of the United States and say, mark my words, it's not going to rain until I say so because of your wickedness, Mr. President, or the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin, or any other king, emperor, leader? Do you know of anybody with the boldness to confront a world leader? Do you have that boldness? Do you have that, that faith? Elijah says to Ahab, as Yahweh, God of Israel, lives, in whose presence I stand, there will be no dew or rain during these years except by my command. Exclamation point. Do you have the faith to say, as surely as God, the creator of the universe, lives, in whose presence I stand. I don't, I, I just, I find it hard to believe. I find it hard to reconcile that Elijah was able to do that, to say those words and then back it up. And yet so few of us today have that boldness that comes from that faith. And it tells me we must be doing something wrong. And I wish we had some more information, like an introduction to Elijah. Like, what were his parents like? What was his faith journey like? Because I'm sure, I don't know, but I would guess that Elijah didn't just decide to do that one day. I don't think he was just an average Israelite who all of a sudden got fed up and went up to King Ahab. There must be some story there. I've heard great men of faith say that our children stand on our shoulders in regard to their faith, in regard to their finances, in regard, in regard to their character. Elijah must have had some great parents. 
there must have been some heritage. He must have started off somewhere. And you and I might have a temptation to say, I don't have that kind of faith, therefore. And we want to look to somebody else to do it, but there's no one else doing it, friends. There's no one else doing it. We have to get our spiritual acts together. We must, for the sake of the kingdom, spend time standing in the presence of God, kneeling in the presence of God, bowing in the presence of God to develop this kind of faith that when we speak, we know it's God's word coming through. Why? Because we know him. Most Christians today do not know God. Not in an intimate way. They know about him. We can quote scripture, but we don't know him in an intimate way. We don't know his heart. We don't know how he feels about certain hot button topics or just random topics. Because there's only one way to know somebody and it's to live with them. It's to talk with them. It's to experience life with them. I know my wife because we've been sharing a room for the last 15 years and we talk every day. I know what makes her happy and what makes her mad. I know the expressions on her face and what they mean. I know in a certain situation how she's likely to react because I know her. And I'm not done getting to know her yet. And yet we as Christians think we can pray a prayer or go to a church and spend an hour and a half on Sunday morning and check a box and think we know God. And we don't. Elijah could raise the dead because his prayers were powerful and effective. As, he, as it says in James, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much or it accomplishes much. It makes much available. The righteousness that comes from spending time in the presence of the holy God, the creator of the universe... So Elijah was able to raise the widow's son from the dead. Elijah was able to send a message back to Ahab and say, gather all these false prophets who worship this God called Baal. And I've said it before in earlier conversations, especially when you go back to the Ten Commandments. And I'll say it again, Baal is another way to say or translate the word Lord, Master, L-O-R-D. And it's the same word that we use to talk about our God, Yahweh. And our God, Yahweh, is the Lord over all the lords. He is the God with a capital G over all of the gods with lowercase g's. And so Elijah was able to, in front of all the people, 
create this showdown with these prophets of these, these 400 prophets of Baal who had twisted the identity of God in such a way. And I'm sure if you asked them, if you had a conversation with these guys, they would say that they serve the same God that Abraham did, that Isaac did, that Israel did or was supposed to. But they had made a form of God. They had said God is like this and they limited his character. They focused on one aspect of the God and therefore limited who he was and made an idol out of him. And instead of saying the almighty Yahweh, Lord of hosts, or Yahweh of hosts, Yahweh of heavenly armies, Yahweh, the provider, and all of the other things that he is, our healer, our sustainer, our redeemer, our friend, they limited him and said, he's a Lord. He's just Lord. He's like a taskmaster. He's this angry, distant God who gives us rules and then wants us to cut ourselves and punish ourselves in order to gain his favor. And it was the showdown between Yahweh and Lord, Master, Baal. And Yahweh showed that he is unmatched. There is no one like him and there's no God that can compete with him. God bless you, my friends. Seek him with humility and hunger and may he bless you as you do so. We'll see you tomorrow.